Welcome to this episode of the Jam Days Podcast. Season 3 continues with an interview with Aaron Magner of the Disco Biscuits. Aaron recently spoke to Jam Bass's Andy Kahn about all things Bisco backstage at the Summer Camp Music Festival. We'll hear that interview shortly. First, let's hear about the sponsor of this episode. This episode is sponsored by Section 119. Section 119 is a clothing and apparel company that specializes in licensed merchandise for the Grateful Dead, Fish, and other bands. Products include shirts, hoodies, shorts, and accessories featuring distinctive logos and artwork. Made by fans for fans, shop officially licensed Grateful Dead and Fishman donut apparel, including button-downs, board shorts, ties, bow ties, pocket squares, ponchos, suits, and other gear. Section 119 offers officially licensed merchandise for fans of Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Jerry Garcia, and David Bowie as well. Section 119 is also the sponsor of Jambase's coverage of Dead & Company's final tour. Stay up to date on what's played at each show of the final tour via the Jambase Dead & Company The Skinny Hub, where you'll find links to recaps, setlist breakdowns, statistical analysis, live videos, and much more. Visit Section 119 at section119.com. That's S-E-C-T-I-O-N-119.com. And sign up to receive 10% off your first purchase. All of us here at the Jam Base Podcast are stoked to finally have a member of the Disco Biscuits appear on the podcast. As I mentioned, keyboardist Aaron Magner recently met up with Andy Kahn backstage at summer camp, and I have Andy here joining me now. How's it going, AK? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, I'm very excited to get to share this interview with Aaron. Like you said, we're thrilled to finally have a member of the Disco Biscuits on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. It sure has. And there's plenty for you and Aaron to talk about. He's been very busy lately with Bisco and Beyond, and they had just gotten back from a trip to Iceland where the Disco Biscuits played three shows. Yeah, they went almost directly from the glaciers of Reykjavik, Iceland, to the cornfields of Chillicothe, Illinois. And one of the first things Aaron and I talked about was adjusting to all the travel and dealing with the jet lag that comes with it. Such is the life of a touring musician. It sure is. So we were sitting outside of the band's trailer backstage at the Moonshine stage at summer camp, and you'll hear some festival sounds in the background while we're chatting. And at the very end, you can hear Mo taking the stage to kick off one of their sets at summer camp. And with it being the last summer camp, I also asked Aaron about his previous experiences at summer camp. Have the Disco Biscuits played summer camp before? Well, you know, they had, but at the start of the interview, I was mistaken and said that the Disco Biscuits had only played summer camp once before. I was wrong not the official summer camp website. And Bisco had in fact played summer camp both in 2006 and again in 2017. So apologies for the confusion there. And Aaron had also played at previous summer camps with some of his other projects like Conspirator. This year, Bisco played at the first day of the festival and a late night set shortly after I talked to Aaron on the second day of summer camp. The Disco Biscuits are like one of those bands that just seem designed for late night sets. Indeed. And that was one of the things I also asked Aaron about. I know it's harder for me as I've gotten older to stay up for late night sets. And it turns out it's a bit more challenging for the Disco Biscuits as well. Though they're still pretty good at pulling them off. I've definitely thought about that too when I see some of these start times of festival sets. But the Disco Biscuits don't seem to be letting up anytime soon. For sure. And Aaron also talked to me about the rock opera, The Very Moon, that he's working on with the Disco Biscuits guitarist, John Gutwillig. That's the new project they recently workshopped, right? That's exactly right. It's a reimagining of the band's previous rock opera, Hot Air Balloon. But from what Aaron told me, it sounds like it's quite an expansion of Hot Air Air Balloon. 
and the very moon is very much its own new entity. It sounds like working on the very moon was something he really enjoyed making. And as you'll soon hear, the process for how it came together was unexpectedly cool. As you'll also hear, what comes next for the very moon is, no pun intended, up in the air. And just to be clear, the very moon is a separate rock opera from the one that the band recorded for an upcoming studio album, right? That's correct. The very moon is not at all related to the space-themed rock opera Revolution in Motion that they've started previewing. So far, they've shared six singles, and Aaron filled me in on the status of the album's release. Man, Mac sure seems busy. Did Billy and the kids come up? I did ask about the chances of more shows with Grateful Dead drummer Bill Kreutzmann. And? And you'll have to stick around to the interview to find out what's next. Well, all right then, let's get to it. We'll start the interview with a bit of the start of the Disco Biscuits' final performance at summer camp. The band opened with the recently released single, Another Plan of Attack. Let's hear a bit of that recording to lead us into Andy's interview with Aaron backstage at summer camp. summer camp we are this is what you guys the second time here is that right uh biscuits i mean i've been been here a lot you've been here okay um interesting if this is i i don't know i I feel like i've i feel like the biscuits have been here more than twice but i don't know yeah well um, i cannot confirm but jam base should should know so if if my if uh if the summer camp website is correct this is just your second time as the got disco it bit. okay and it'll be the last time because uh unfortunately this could be this the last could time be the last time maybe the last maybe time. the last i time. don't know um what's your what's your sort of memories of of summer camp like, obviously you you've said you've been here a few times now yeah um, i mean I've, I've had several side projects here sure. I, I remember a really fun conspirator afternoon set right, on this stage yeah. years back and so um, and I played in that barn a few different times, yeah. which, you know, conspirator. out. Yeah. In the barn. Oh my God. Crazy. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I have fond memories of all my times here. You know, I just think that it's fascinating. This like traveling circus, you know, yes. right. Like yes. I see, you know, just all Jason Hahn, you know, uh-huh. like uh-huh. moments ago and, you know, we see each other when like, like you know, passing through the night, you know? Definitely. Well, it's <laughs> funny. I'm walking around with my wife and I'm like, see that I interviewed them for the podcast. Like I, I see her, I, she's been on the podcast. Yeah, it's like, it's seeing like, it is, it's like a homecoming of everybody in this community. Yeah. It, it's you really know, fun. And like, 
it, it's nice to know, like, you know, that summer begins to usher that in and we're yes. at the very beginning of yes. it here at summer camp, you yeah, know? And we like, like to say it's the unofficial start to the, the summer music festival season. And like, yeah. this is sort of the, the big hurrah that kicks it all off. Yeah. Um, but you're also coming from Iceland. Just, it was, it was just last weekend, right? Yeah, we flew directly to Chicago from Iceland. So you're going from from Reykjavik to <laughs> Chillicothe, Illinois. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That, that's got to be somewhat of a culture shock for you. I mean, it would have been a culture shock getting anywhere off that you know crazy yes, island and then definitely. coming back to you know to to this side um, of the planet. Uh, yeah, man, it was otherworldly out there for sure. You know, this like pimple that was like birthed in the middle of the ocean by a volcano and yes. just like sprouts all that fucking crazy shit. And also that, you know, we didn't know that it was like, at least I didn't know, but I, I don't think it was much of a tourist destination, you know, even a decade ago. Right. right? And the venue that the Disco Biscuits played at Harpo, which, you know, if you look online, if you, uh, you know, definitely recommend your listeners, like, just check it out it because it's an architectural amazing. feat. It is absolutely gorgeous and stunning inside and out, like even more so out. Um, and apparently like uh, five or six years ago when it was built um they had the country of iceland had like a budget that they uh had set aside to bring some tourism into the country okay and the country voted to build this like cultural and arts you know performance center mm -hmm. um you know to help bring in tourism yeah. and they did such a phenomenal job and were so fucking welcoming just like everybody in that fucking country was uh -huh. um and we just had the most incredible time as did every single one of the fans. And we all experienced that together, which was like another magical component to it. I was going to ask you about that. I talked to Brendan Bayless of your buddies on Freeze McGee uh, about their experience there. And he said at times it felt like he was back at South Bend, like walking around and seeing just friends and, and family and lots of familiar fans and things like that. Did you have a similar experience? Yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like we, uh, as a Disco Biscuit community, like, you know, took over the country of Iceland. It's like the closest I've ever come to like a coup d'etat, you know? <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're here. <laughs> totally. We came, yeah. we saw, we conquered. Like, exactly. Um, There's more of us than you. <laughs> uh, but it was cool. Yeah. Just like, you know, walking down the streets of Reykjavik or in any of the lagoons or even on some of these tours, um, you know, we drove like five hours up the coast and five hours back and checked out different things along the way. We went in yeah. uh, on an ice cave tour, which was amazing. And, you know, our tour guide was definitely like trying to figure out like why we all knew each other. You know, there was like 12 <laughs> yeah. of us that he usually takes in a group and we're, you know. And so when we told him and he was like curious about it and was like, I'll actually be in Reykjavik on Sunday and then came. And so that was happening a lot. A lot of locals, you know, got into the show through that was another thing through was fans yeah. and band that like, you know, had, uh, you know, the fans and the bands, you know, we immersed ourselves, we assimilated as best we could yeah, into yeah. the country of Iceland. And, you know, just like this open arms aspect, people were coming out to the show as locals and we were beginning to like establish uh, kind of like this community that, you know, is spreads. Could you tell who were the locals like during the show? Like, were there spots in the audience where you were like, oh, that must be a, that must be like a group of locals? <laughs> Dude, the Norwegian gene pool there is very small. <laughs> you can definitely identify who is Icelandic and who is not very quickly. Yes. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. And, and so um, when you're when you're doing a thing like Iceland or, so, or a special event, do you approach set lists differently for those shows? The either what's actually in the set list or how you go about creating the set list? 
Uh, well, Mark is the set list guy, you okay. know, definitely with like with some input, but he definitely takes, uh, you know, takes charge with all that. Uh -huh. um, you know, I think any show, it, number one, you need to open and close strong. Yes. You need to have like, you know, segues that kind of like make sense, but are daring and things that you like, you know, have done that, you know, are going to work and definitely things that like, you don't know whether they're going to work and keep everybody on their toes. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest difference is, um, <laughs> there was this energy in Iceland that was interesting because everybody that was there was so deliberately there you know they right. were like they were they're all in with the uh -huh. disco biscuits those were you know 1500 of our you know biggest fans and everybody kind of like you know knew it right in it to win it yeah. yeah yeah and so there was just this like i don't know this trust or this excitement or whatever it was that permeated the space that enabled us to really like rise to the occasion you know we really delivered like three solid shows in iceland definitely Obviously, we're feeling that from the audience. Do you think also that beautiful environment that you were just talking about? Do you do you think that actually like filters into your playing when you're in a space like that? What do you mean? Like being, do, do you get inspiration from the environment itself, from the space, from oh, yeah, of being course. in Iceland, from seeing the fjords, from from the, the wild, you know, wild environment that you're I mean, you, you pick up that energy you know anywhere right like yeah. the the energy at you know this festival Here, is going to be the, yeah it's going to be different than this. like <laughs> yeah. just an indoor venue you know and like different like cities have a different like vibe to it mm -hmm. you know definitely like you know just think about like the difference between playing any venue in like manhattan versus any venue in california right. <laughs> you know right. it just like has a different uh, uh energy that resonates to it so yeah you you know, attach to that in some sort of way and connect to it in some sort of way that makes everything different. Sure, you're tapping into deliberately or not, you know. When you're playing and you have a, like a pre-planned set list, do you deviate from it often? Like do, do those factors, the vibe of the room, does that change what you're doing? And I'm curious, like, because you guys do do the inverted songs and have these like kind of really complex and intricate changes, segues and things, like does that mean, make it harder for you to deviate from sort of a pre-planned set list? 
I mean, no, I think the intention is, is to get up there every night and, you know, here's another opportunity to kind of like do our thing and see whether we can get better at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and it's weird because there's, you know, there's unspoken rules. Right. Sure. And really the only rule is that like, you know, to make it sound good, to keep everybody engaged, to keep everybody dancing, yeah. you know, and then along the way, there's little things that each of us do individually that we talk about collectively that needs to get done. Uh-huh. Um, so I think the goal is that every single night and then there's just variables, you know, yeah. How are you feeling that day, you know, mentally? How's everybody doing group dynamics? You know, what environment are we in? These are the variables that, you know, that start to show up. Now, you have a a late night set tonight. Last night we had a late night set. Uh, oh, oh t- tonight, tonight, the Disco Biscuits. Yes, 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 yes. I hope. What I country What country yeah, no. am I in? What <laughs> well, month is it? I'm yes, wondering. I got to say, you guys have got to have, like, some crazy jet lag right now, right? Like, you're like, where, what town am I in? What country am I in? What continent am I on? <laughs> like, right. But so you do have a late night show tonight. And I'm curious, has that, you guys have done late nights. You've always, you know, I've seen you play in Jamaica at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, like, um. Has that approach changed over the years? Have you guys have gotten older? Like, I'm sure, you know, in your younger days, I've gotten older. Like, it's harder for me to stay up late to see the late night shows. Is it harder at all, like, for you guys now as you're getting older to, like, gear up for those late night sets? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, to that end, do you do you have to approach it differently? Like, are you, do you, you know, are you spending your days differently when you know you have to be up late that? Um, I mean, I think with maturity comes like, okay, you know, this is night two. So last night, you know, take it easy, take it easy. You know, you got two nights of this. Um, you know, it also means like making sure that you get enough fucking sleep. Right. Like, like that's important to me, especially as I get older, you know, making sure that I exercise and I'm on the road. You know, Mm -hmm. I went to the gym today, making sure that I had a couple of hours to deal with the fucking bullshit of like, you know, gathering fucking receipts and bullshit that I don't want to deal with next week, you know, and like, just get it off my plate now. (laughs) Um, so yeah, there's like a responsibility when it, you know, comes to that, but yeah, we're getting older, right? Like, you know, hangovers suck that much more the next day. And now we're all like, ah, fuck it. It's not even worth the hangover anymore. I'll just like not drink. Right. Like that's happening left and right now with people that, you know, just kind of organically. Well, I mean, it is, it's like, I mean, I'm a fan and it's happening for me. So I'm sure it's got it. There's got to be like a push and pull for you guys as well. Yeah. Does it, what about when you're actually on stage then? Like, are you ever, is it ever like, okay. No. (laughs) By the time you get on stage, are you, are you, have you like hit it then? And and you're, yeah. I mean, I've always said like the, the, as tired as I could be sometimes, the second that you walk up on stage, you get that like adrenaline rush and that like, you know, you're never tired while on stage. Um, I think uh, if anything, getting on stage, there's a, like a different approach that I feel like we all have at this age, which is getting on stage more personally confident, Okay, you know, confident in, at, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, like I'm comfortable um, now in my musical voice in that I feel like I've really kind of discovered it and, and understood it more, I guess, uh-huh. um, in the last five years. Okay. So getting on stage now feels just more comfortable in general, regardless of what the hour is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then it, so then it does. So then if that's the case, the hour tends to matter less, right? Like it's, it's just, you're, 
you're going to handle it no matter what. Yeah. I mean, listen, I loved when shows like, you know, are over at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I feel like the pandemic kind of ushered in this new like, you know, OK, we're, we're we have to go play a fucking drive in, you know, and it yeah. has to be over by 10 p.m. for yeah. noise ordinances. But, um, you know, and then it, it turned it, out I was like, hey, it's not so bad when it, it kind, it kind of stuck for like a yeah. very long time. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't think we played a concert past like 11 p.m., yeah. you know, and now like, you know, this is a little different at festivals. And yeah, it's going to go late, but I, I, I think we'll be OK. You know, I think we'll get Iceland, you incorporated uh, one new song uh, from The Very Moon, correct? Falling. Falling. Yeah. Um, so what's your role in The Very Moon? I know that you're, you know, it's more John's thing, right? But, but you're involved in it as well, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your involvement in it? Like, what's your role been? So The Very Moon is, is um, a, you know, a new musical. Let's, let's go back and tell your listeners, sure. right, what okay. this is. So The Very Moon is a new musical. And it is based on John Gutwillig's hot air balloon, Correct. right? Yes. And, you know, again, for those listeners that don't know, the hot air balloon is the Disco Biscuits rock opera mm -hmm. um, that John wrote and we debuted in 1999. And we still play the, uh, most of the songs right. um, in our set, you know, and they're part of our fabric and, and our identity as a band, Definitely. you know, still to this day. Um, but we've only played the songs in sequence uh, a handful of times. Nine times, I believe. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jam Bass. Nine times. Nine, Nine times. times. <laughs> um, and somebody approached John, a guy named Nicholas Schmidl approached John about uh, a, a year ago with this idea of like turning the hot air balloon into a musical, right? Uh -huh. Cause it's got a wonderful story, a story of like, you know, love and, and, you know, invention and insanity and, you know, there's a villain and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And he, um, and so he called John and he got him on board to basically do a musical. And then John brought me in and was like, hey, I want to do this thing and we need to write new songs for it. And I was like, count me in, Hell you yeah. know, like a musical. I mean, that like kind of like is almost in my blood. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, with this guy, Nicholas Schmidl on Zoom, because he lives in London and he, oh, wrote, wow. he wrote the book or the and right. which is also the lyrics uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and the story. And so all the dialogue and stuff like that. And, you know, me at the piano and, and John, you know, in the studio and we would we wrote 
fucking musical, <laughs> you know, during those so, Zoom sessions, like during during those Zoom sessions. Wow. Yeah. Like, you know, on basically just, you know, piano and, you know, uh-huh. like with Nicholas being like, I want this to sound like a like a, a, a burning cigarette, you know, in like a nightclub in like, you know, the 1970s. And I was like, OK, here we go. <laughs> like, I got that is a prompt. I, totally. What <laughs> yeah. else do you want? Yeah. Um, so. It, it was it was really rewarding for me to do it. It came, uh, it, you know, we put in, I don't know, I feel like ten new songs, right? Oh, wow. Um, into the musical, and then five are from the actual hot air balloon. From hot air balloon. Okay. Uh huh. Um, if I'm doing my math right, I might be off a, a song or two. So it's a real reimagination. It's a real, it's a reimagination new- with with. Um, New songs, predominantly new songs, okay. but still, you know, some old songs from the Hot Air Balloon that you'll recognize, but okay. done in a different way. There's new lyrics to provide different perspective from the characters and stuff like that. Um, even even change some of the lyrics to the old Hot Air Balloon songs to provide, oh, you know, really? perspective. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of also interesting. That, um, the, and, I think the fans will love that. Like and, that's, dude, that's like for the hardcore. <laughs> totally. And the fans love the whole thing. Like, and, yeah. and God bless them for it. You know, fans have always been so supportive of everything that we do. But this is out of everybody's wheelhouse, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think anybody came into it knowing like what to expect. And we certainly didn't know what we were going to expect, you know, and uh-huh. what we were going to see the audience respond to it so it was incredible to get that type of like amazing response and it was also just fucking amazing that like we did this musical just art for art's sake right it was like i I don't know there was no motivation behind it you know there's no like broadway millions behind like doing well there's not broadway millions but what what is next with it like you uh, i know there was the workshop a couple of weeks ago and and it, it seems like that was a success um do you are there are there next steps for it? Are there more plans to present it to more people? Yeah, we haven't figured out specifically what those next steps are, but we have like a couple of weeks um, set aside in October where we'll do like another workshop, right? Okay. So the whole okay. point of the workshop is to like take it off, you know, pen and paper, and bring it, you know, to the stage and see how it how it works, how it begins to come to life. And then you kind of like you know revamp from there and edit from there and do another workshop. What we did because we're so yeah you know performance centric as a band Mm -hmm. that we did this workshop we definitely learned a lot from it but we were focused on getting to these two performances that we decided to do at the end of the workshop week right you know to kind of like see how it would fly in front of an audience which Uh apparently is like not really (laughs) the way that you do it like (laughs) workshops are like set aside to workshop you know and Mm -hmm. you can totally do a workshop performance you know that's definitely done but this was like we were getting, you know, we, it was a cram. Full speed ahead. It was yeah. full speed ahead. And everybody, everybody rose to the occasion to like get to these two performances so incredibly so. And now we need to take it, you know, to a different level, right? So we'll probably continue to write new songs and, you know, okay. let the cream rise to the top. Uh-huh. Um, we'll probably think about what the next arrangement is going to be. You know, we had this amazing, uh, we hired a musical director that took everything that John and I wrote and then transcribed it all and then was able to play it and teach it to the actors, right? And he was fucking incredible with what he did. It was like such a pleasure just watching him work. 
Um, but do we want to keep that same instrumentation? You know, sure. it definitely works for musical theater. Um, mm -hmm. But like these songs could be fucking amazing, um, you know, with a band, with, you know, not That's necessarily so the same orchestration as the Disco Biscuits. But like it was so cool taking this song Falling and then bringing it into a band landscape, you know. So that's how different was that was what you guys played in Iceland from what was played at the workshop. Not, not that different. The really? only difference was that there was, you know, a, a band playing it yeah. as opposed to just keyboards and five singers. Yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. And, and are there... Are there more that you intend to bring from the the project? To I don't know. That was thing? definitely the most obvious one, okay. you know. And and I remember writing it, and and thinking like, oh, this is this is also going to be a great disco biscuit one, you know. And and I think John and I thought that like the whole time, like it was definitely in the back of our heads the whole time. songs tied at all to the new album that you guys no have. that's so the coolest that's the coolest part right so we have this space opera yes which is completely different yes. than the rock, rock opera, opera turned musical man that's, that's a lot going on <laughs> it's a lot going on that's sick that's cool stuff and do you guys uh, have you finished the album like is it the album is done it's done mixed um, all that it's, it's it's not like shipped yet not there's shipped. Okay. there's Time left for tinkering. <laughs> There's time left for tinkering. Yes, which is dangerous. Um, always. <laughs> There's a uh, what, like five or six songs that are already released as singles, right? right? I think six, um, yeah. But the whole thing is 14 songs. Okay, we so. played all 14 songs right. already at shows, just not in, in order, sequence, yep. you know, or, or performed as like this is the space opera. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and then we're literally putting the final touches like as we speak, you know, oh, on like cool. these last several tunes. They're all recorded. It's just like need some overdubs here. Vocals uh -huh. need to be resang there. Stuff like that. Cool. Well, we have Mo about to we drown have Mo. us yeah. out. They're, right they're now. destroying this this interview. Yes. This, that, they're doing a hostile takeover. Um, I want to wrap real quick. Anything in the in the works with Billy and the kids? That show in New Orleans was so sick, man. And yeah. like everything you've done with him lately has been so sick. Yeah. Like, can we expect more? Uh, I think so. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think awesome. so. I think everybody was really like elated at uh, how that show went, and it was just like good vibes all around. It's, you know, the it, playing was fun. Everybody had a really good time doing it. it so I think so. It seems like magic happens whenever you guys get together. I mean, it's that's really and that's what cool we're stuff. always chasing as, as musicians and performers. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, man. Yeah, man. And uh, 
hopefully uh, we all can stay up late tonight and, and make it through the set. Yeah, and, hopefully uh, I'll make it. I mean, here, put it this way. Mark, like, napped for two hours. Like, he just woke <laughs> up. So that's the difference now. It's like... The, di- the disco nap is longer. Uh-huh. <laughs> the disco biscuit nap. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank uh, you thank so you. much. All right, cheers. That's all for this episode of the Jam Base Podcast. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell a friend. Thanks to Aaron Magner for taking the time to chat with me. Be sure to catch the Disco Biscuits on tour, including their just announced fall tour. Thanks to our sponsor, Section 119. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce the episode. We'll be back next week with another Season 3 episode. So in the meantime, stay safe out there and go see live music.